genre. Welcome to the Jay and Silent Bob Minute, where we are covering the movie Mallrats, one minute at a time. Today we are covering Minute 36, which is quite possibly the greatest berserker minute ever. I'm Jeff Ferry. And I'm Nate Renly from A Goofy Movie Minute, the Off 5 podcast, and Calvin and Hobbs cast. That is a lot of casts. You Too many. You spend a lot of time podcasting. <laughs> Thanks for working us into your schedule. <laughs> oh, you know. Yeah. All right. So, uh, Minute 36 starts with uh, Brody talking to Jay and Bob. And stops with a kid wearing my jacket from fifth grade. Oh, that All jacket. Right. <laughs> oh, we'll get there. I we'll can't get wait. There. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, yeah, there's some, there's some poor fat. I mean, there's poor fashion choices. We sat out on Clerks. Clerks was 90. He filmed it in 93 going into 94. And even though it's already 90s, like we're desperately still trying to get rid of the 80s. And in this mm-hmm. movie, like if you just look at the picture that I'm looking at of T.S. Brody, Jay, and Silent Bob. We are firmly entrenched in the 90s at this point. They have arrived. Oh, yeah. The 90s have hit us with a sledgehammer. We're <laughs> peak 90s at this point. Uh, so I would have been 16 at this point. So God knows what I was wearing. Probably something <laughs> horrific that would have fit right in with this group. I probably yeah, so, was uh, that kid at the end. I I was nine. Yeah, I don't know. I probably was me. <laughs> it may have been me. My kids were – my parents were sending me out for extra jobs in Minnesota, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff in this – this scene that I had, um, I don't think I had a, I didn't have exactly Jay's shirt, but I'm sure I had something similar. And I know for a fact that I had the shirt that TS is wearing. Mm. What is that? And I probably wore it the same way with the sleeves rolled up for no friggin' reason. Oh yeah. Which, this makes me look cool, right? <laughs> yeah. Sh- shirt tied around your, your waist. All right. So, uh, last minute we had some, uh, star Wars and now we're getting into X-Men. Now, again, this is still four years before the first X-Men movie is going to come out. So, I would love to know how deep in the pop culture world X-Men was. I think it was one of those things that, like, your run-of-the-mill person's like, yeah, I guess I heard of that. <laughs> or, when was the X-Men cartoon? Um, that would have been running. Was that 94? Let's see. It's, You're talking about like, the one with the with the greatest theme song of all time, that one? <laughs> uh, yeah. 92 <laughs> to 97. <laughs> yeah, so I would say a lot of people my age, a little bit above and a little bit below, that's where their X-Men knowledge starts mm-hmm. is from that show. We're like a Sega Genesis game or something. Yeah. So like, w- like to me, when I think of the X-Men lineup, like I don't think of the original lineup, my X-Men lineup is the, who was on that show. Right. Like I think Wolverine, Cyclops, Rogue, Gambit, like that grouping. I don't think like, Oh, uh, angel and <laughs> you know, uh, original beast before he turned yeah. blue beast. That's just like a fat person with feet. It's just a big guy with giant hairy hobbit feet. Yeah, he's not he's not fat. I shouldn't fat shame. He's just a large man. Yeah, why why gotta be like that? Can't have that kind of attitude if you're gonna be on chasing Amy because I'm already gonna be walking a tightrope on that movie. Oh man, it's gonna be a, a landmine. Yeah, it's gonna be fun for me because there's nothing that's gonna go over quite as well as discussing the intricacies of sexuality in 2018 or 2019 at that point. Like two straight white guys like me and Chris <laughs> explaining yeah. how things work. You're gonna have to have a, a lot of uh, lesbian guests on, I think, yeah. to, to keep it keep it cool. Yeah. Well, I'm, and again, like I've heard Kevin interviewed about it, and he's just like, "Listen, it was 1997 for the time. That's ahead of the curve. Like nobody's even talking about it then." Mm-hmm. And he's like, "And I would like to reiterate, I am a white man from suburban New Jersey. <laughs> like, <laughs> I did what I could." <laughs> oh, I love that movie though. Oh, it's a great movie, but you could see how uh, I'm going to have to be a little a little classier maybe on that one. 
drink you know, watch myself drink a nice Literally. red wine while you record now he makes a lot jacket. of references here that i think everybody probably knows now but like these would have been considered deep cuts back then right i think that he's he says, saying it to ts for the audience Oh, when he says, like, I call you Logan Weapon X? Well, he uses his real name, his original code name, and then Jay says about, he calls him Wolverine, then he says, then he starts talking about the Berserker, explaining what it is. And he's doing the sound effect, the snick, snickety, yeah. snick, snick. Well, he's doing snickety, snick, and then they're actually running real sounds. Right, they are. That's so <laughs> weird. <laughs> so what are they doing right expl- before that, though, when uh, Brody and Jay are kind of holding their heads together while they talk? Oh, when he, like, bangs his head up against them? Yeah, they're just, like, they're like, in, like, like, a wrestling move or something where he's, like, oh, you're worried. You know, like, Brody and Jay seem like such good friends in this movie, but way closer <laughs> yeah. than he does with and, uh, with with TS, really, because they, uh, like, they're always, like, physical and have, like, a good greeting and stuff. And It's, like, they have a better natural chemistry than, like, uh, Brody and TS, who are supposed to be lifelong friends, do. They seem like guys that just met, like, last year in high school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like yeah, he explains what Wolverine's Berserker Fury is. Um TS answers like very noncommittally. I'm guessing he has probably had this explained to him on more than one occasion of right. what Wolverine's powers are and what the Berserker Fury is. Well and when he says we're gonna take him X Men style, at, well right when he says it, both he and uh Jay and Silent Bob cross their arms across their chest at the exact same time. No oh, no which, warning. Which now in modern day, if you did that, that would not be X Men style. If you do that, everyone would yell out Wakanda forever. Oh, <laughs> that's yeah. That's what they do. That's what they do in Black Panther. That's really it's similar. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's hmm. the arms across his chest. They should yell out Wakanda forever. Hmm. That'd be real way ahead of the... I mean, if they'd have made a Black Pan- Panther reference here, now that would have been, been an unbelievable deep cut. Nobody would even know what they were talking about. <laughs> Is that arm crossing thing an X-Men thing or just a Wolverine thing when he's putting out his claws? Like, like it seems like I've seen comic covers with him doing it's, that. He'll do the thing where he crosses his arms across his chest. He used to do it on the uh, the cartoon we referenced earlier all the time. He'd take his arms across his chest and then swing them to the side. Right. And, like, sparks and, like, light will come out of them, even though, really, there shouldn't be any. But, you know, it's not cinematic if there's not sparks. But he, but no one else does it. It's not like an X-Men thing. No, it's not like they, they walk into battle like, all right, X-Men, and they put their hands across no, their this chest. This looks like an X. And they're like, oh, this also looks like an X. It's Let's like, do it. Uh, I hate when the X Men show up. They're such dorks. <laughs> <laughs> Goody two shoes, Cyclops. Yeah, it's the real uh, Cyclops was my favorite when I was younger. I loved Cyclops, but there was a reason behind it. it. wasn't because he was like he's the one that stands up. I liked him because he hated Wolverine, and I had unbelievable Wolverine fatigue because mm. everybody loved Wolverine. He's my favorite Wolverine, and I was like, I like <laughs> the guy that can kill Wolverine. But Cyclops is the TS of this, <laughs> and he was like, yeah, he 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 got better later, like. But they, he was, they always kind of fought with that. Um, later on in my life, because I like the, when they try to make a character who shouldn't be, shouldn't work and make him work. So when like the Captain America movies came out, I loved those movies. Because that was a character mm-hmm. who was very much like Cyclops, where you're like, this isn't going to work. <laughs> and they made it work. And I would argue that two of his three movies are some of the best Marvel movies, where other characters who have probably more at their disposal have lesser movies, let's say. Yeah. Good directors. Yeah. That. I mean, even the worst Marvel movies have been like, all right, this is watchable. That, that, to me, that's the difference between Marvel and DC. When Marvel has one that's not as good, I'm like, all right, whatever. It was two hours and I'm out. Where when DC blows up a stinker, it's like, oh my god, this is excruciating and I don't want to sit through it. That's true, but 
I'd actually rather watch a really bad movie than a movie on like the low side of of okay you know i'd rather watch a movie that's like amazing to talk about after like to describe how bad it was instead of like a movie that was like it was competent but it was boring you know <laughs> like there's nothing really to say about that competent but boring you just to me described dr strange <laughs> <laughs> that was dr strange to me like i like his character in infinity war when he comes back but like his own movie i was like oh all right that's fine <laughs> like uh the one that i think is the, the biggest dc blunder was uh the batman soup versus superman i'm like what is going that was, on here that was a deliciously <laughs> bad movie though <laughs> there's so many things in there that just like what happened why did that happen why are they like, doing this i don't like him why yeah. <laughs> like he's gonna kill us all there's been no indication of that i don't like him i think our moms have different names oh it's the same name well i like him now <laughs> oh yeah thank god that showed up huh or it's funny because i watched that and i'm watching with my wife and she's just like she's ready to kill herself anyway that we're watching this show and i'm just like the only thing that this proves that out of their whole group, Wonder Woman is the only competent one of the whole group. Because <laughs> while they're off being worthless, like Superman's sad and Batman's doing whatever, like for like 10 minutes of that movie, she's fighting Doomsday by herself. That's right. I'm like, you guys are worthless. I'm like, she's the only one doing anything. They are going to get a spear that they had someone throw uh, into <laughs> the water for no reason at all. And then yeah. just to get it back a few seconds later. And never answer the question of like, well, Superman's going to throw the spear into her. Why not give the spear to Wonder Woman and let her do it? Yeah, she's that's her thing. Like, yeah, and she's literally not allergic to kryptonite. She'll be fine. She has no weaknesses. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Then he wouldn't have had the fake die for a movie. Yeah, I, I, that's what's annoying. Because that's like, I mean, that's got to be the most famous death in comics history is the death of Superman. Like, yeah, that was like, that made the news. And like, they fumbled like their biggest thing of like, that's what makes me laugh. DC fumbles the death of Superman, which is like one of the greatest things to happen in comics. One of the biggest things, not greatest because it's kind of a shitty comic, but it was one of the most, you know, talked about things and they fumble it and they, you know, they screw the whole thing up. Meanwhile, over at Marvel, like, uh, we're going to make this movie about a talking raccoon. Nobody's ever heard of. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to take the fat guy from parks and rec. Um, we're going to take the most famous voice we person we have, make him just a voice. <laughs> a bunch of characters nobody's ever heard of. Oh, look at that. We're printing money, baby. We're going to take Ant-Man, who sucks on all levels, <laughs> and who nobody ever liked in the comics or in any other form, and make a movie about him. Oh, look at that. We're printing money. They've, yeah, they're alchemists I feel like they're there. just taking dares now. Yeah, they're taking like dares now. They're like, oh, come on, bring it. Like, Who do you think we can't make a, a movie about at this point? <laughs> You know they're sitting around going right now, like, do we make a Howard the Duck movie? Like, are we at that point now? I think they're there. Just keep the budget kind of reasonable. They'll do it. Yeah. You make a $20 million Howard yeah, the Duck don't, movie? Like, just keep it. What's the worst keep that can happen? Keep it small and gritty. Don't make it all. Like, I mean, I guess he's CGI, so it's going to be expensive. But not for modern movies, you know. And not for, like, the, you know, Marvel's got all that crap on retainer. It's not going to kill them. Yeah. Do a crossover. Uh, it's Howard the Duck and Jar Jar Binks in space. Oh they're, all under, they're all in House of the Mouse now. Yeah. Oh, we got we got all these properties, baby. <laughs> We're bringing back Jar Jar. All right. Now, uh, speaking of Jar Jar, uh, Jar Jar reminds me of uh, you know getting hit in the nuts. So that's what happens next. Yeah. All right. Growing up, you were a male, I assume. So, uh, did you have a friend that would hit people in the nuts? <laughs> I don't. It, it it seemed really natural when he did it, so I must have had that or like what seeing him do it and see the kind of like legs together turn that they do it f- seems so normal to me that that must have been something but i might have repressed it or forgotten about it. yeah 
but it would have to be someone like Jay. Like mm-hmm. if some other people did it, you'd be like, get your hands off me. What's wrong with you, you psycho? Yeah. But then you'd have a friend like Jay where it's like, basically he's a good guy, but like he's half a wacko anyway. And he would do something like that. And you'd be like, whatever. It's just Jay. Yeah. And he's also got Silent Bob around the waist. Yeah. And Brody says thanks yeah. right after he does it. But I'm not sure if it was for that or for just agreeing to destroy it, the stage. It seems like it was for that. Yeah, it does. But, but right before that, he they're saying bye-bye to the kitties. And it, it's like my favorite part of the movie is where he goes, show this kitty some heart. And Silent Bob wiggles his fingers. Oh, and he does the <laughs> That's my favorite part of the whole movie. This, this scene is like is like the part I remember from the movie. Oh, because Silent by, Bob's... Yeah, by far the most. Yeah, because Silent Bob's a good dude. I think this movie's funny because it's like, if I think about Mallrats as a whole, I'm like, oh, yeah, Mallrats. Then I forget it's just like... There's so many like weird set pieces in this movie. I'm just <laughs> yeah. like, oh, I always forget about the dating thing. And then they go to see that, uh, or before that, they go to see the psychic. I'm like, I totally forgot about that. Oh, yeah. The three boobs, right? Or something yeah. like that? No, or it's three or nipples. Just two. <laughs> three boobs is okay, Total yeah. Recall. That's the other movie. <laughs> That's right. Six is uh, Return of the Jedi. We're getting there. <laughs> Are you talking Someday about the we'll Jabba's Palace? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's important when you're a kid to know how many boobs are in each movie. Yeah, well, I've counted them all up. I had a I had a strange childhood. So we get he finally is going to make good on his uh he was going to give him a cookie. That's how he got him to the mall in the first place. Was he promised him that he could you know go to the cookie and try to make him feel better? Yeah, and he says he's surprised he didn't stop him. And TS is like, well, I would if I thought they could even do it. And it really highlighted to me how boring TS is and how, like what a vacuum of like charisma he is in some of these scenes where his delivery is so flat. He's not great. I made this. I talked up. It was funny. Story Clerks. Um, the roles are basically Brody is Randall and TS mm-hmm. is Dante. But like, I really talked up Brian O'Halloran and said like he had the tough job in the movie. He's the crappy character that everybody craps on the whole movie. But I thought he did very well at it. Like especially for being. I mean, he was a local actor. He wasn't like a quote unquote prof- not prof- not that he wasn't professional, but he wasn't famous. He wasn't. He hadn't been in 50 things at that point. I thought he held up his side of the bargain very well. He played well off of Randall. He played well off customers who would give him crap the whole movie. Where, like, T.S. just has, like like you said, no charisma. He's got no... He doesn't bounce well off of anybody. Yeah, he's not even exasperated. He's just kind of like, uh. And you can see on the poster, he's not on the top of the mountain. It's, it's Brody, even though kind of the story is about him. He's really, like... I don't know, like like Fight Club or something. Like he's just the guy that walks around while someone says everything to him. Yeah, it's it's the one. If you could make a casting change in this, he's the one you make. Mm-hmm. And it's it's like a performance camp. Like I can't say like he's not terrible. Also, the theory was the theory was that the rumor was going around that he was uh, stoned for most of this movie. Oh, I could see <laughs> which, that. Which, yeah, they had Brecken Meyer on standby for Jason Mewes. Put Brecken Meyer in there. He's got some. He's got that. He's like kind of a straight man, but at least he can like look and interact with people too. Yeah, and he could do. He could have done like the exasperated friend. Yeah, yeah. Just like my whole life's out of control. Yeah, I understand that you're supposed to be upset because your girlfriend left you, and that you have to. You can't be Brody. You can't be as like he just doesn't like his girlfriend left him too, and he barely gives a shit. He's whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like, like sure. As we brought up, like he got dumped by Shannon Doherty, which 1995 Shannon Doherty. Like, you don't let her leave your room. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I'll do anything you want. I'll go upstairs and make you breakfast. You don't sit there and play Sega while she's half naked walking out the door. But, you know. Yeah. it's Well, I mean, I guess the only good thing is he doesn't talk as much. So 
<laughs> he doesn't talk as fast, so you can kind of ignore him. I guess he's maybe he's like your your everyman entryway character in just like like a blank slate. But and I don't he, know. He does have his. He's got his moments. There's a couple times when he's okay in this movie, like when he's actually got something to do, mm-hmm. and he's like moving the action a little bit. He's a little better. Yeah. But when he's just part of a scene, like a talking scene, he's not great. Because yeah, it's like like Mark Hamill in Star Wars. He's like whining and he doesn't really understand anything. But he's always like, "Give me answers to this," or "Let's go save that person." Like he's got, got a. Like a little more spark yeah. going on in him. Yeah, he, I mean, he's written. whiny, but like that's because his character's whiny. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Not like oh, I'm just kind of here. I'm part of the furniture. And he's got the flannel around his waist. There's a lot of flannel going, or not flannel plaid going on in this uh, movie in general. All right, now I can't. Uh, our last ten seconds here, I can't not bring up the fact that you get to see uh, our old buddy uh, Ethan Suplee for the first time as uh, Willem, who's looking at the. We don't know what he's looking at yet, but he's looking at one of the magic eye posters, which will become a, an ongoing joke throughout the movie. Yeah, that's a joke that it could have not worked, but I would say it's probably one of the things that people really remember about this movie. I would. Yeah, I would agree with that. It was so weird watching this movie being kind of into these Kevin Smith movies and then having him kind of becoming a star for a bit when he's looking at Butterfly Effect and My Name is Earl and Jason Lee, too. And then that fizzled out. and Now neither of them are stars again <laughs> as as uh, yeah. all is right in the world. Yeah. But they're both like working actors. Yeah. Like he still works. It's funny because he looks so much different now. He's on a show right now. He's on a, a Netflix show. He's on something. Probably wouldn't recognize him because he's lost all that weight. Oh, maybe I didn't recognize him. Yeah, he's he's definitely he's nowhere near that big. If you look at him in the butterfly effect, he's just we're seeing him in American History X. Oh, yeah. He's huge in that movie. Like, but he he slimmed down a little bit. Like when he's in My Name is Earl, he had slimmed down even more than he is in Ball Rats, I would say. I really like him. He's a unique presence to have in a movie. He can, he actually has pretty good range too. Not not, not yeah, in this movie. He, I've seen him play like killers, like like bad yeah, guys. Yeah. I mean, he's in American History X. He's like a psycho white supremacist, mm-hmm. and like he could be legitimately scary. But then, like, my name is Earl. He's just like the goofy brother. Like that's another show. Like I watched that show. Yeah. And like that show on paper sounds like garbage. You're like this show's gonna suck. And then it's like it's Jason Lee and him, and I'm like, and Jamie Presley, and I'm like, I really like this show. <laughs> yeah, it was getting really popular for a while. Yeah, well, I mean, it, was, it ran its course. It was what it was. I mean, after it ran four or five seasons or whatever, you're like, okay, I think we're good now. Yeah, kind of last man on earth did. But yeah, there's a sound effect, though, when he's staring at the magic guy. And I think it's supposed to sound like a meditative thing, maybe like a like one of those prayer bowls or something. But what it actually sounds like to me, living in Fort Collins where there's train tracks in town, I don't know, maybe a lot of most towns have that but like the sound of a train breaking from really far away is exactly what it sounds oh, really? like yeah like a like a high peel like a whole bunch of squeals because you know they got so many breaks but then far away so i'm sure this will get brought up again and again and again but um ethan Suplee is supposed to be playing willem from clerks who was played by scott Mosier, who looks nothing like ethan Suplee. why i have no idea he just is that's willem black it's the same character <laughs> Huh. They're like, whatever, we don't care. Okay. But it's just something they did. All right. They just want to tie them together, yeah, which is always yeah. rewarding when you're like, oh, man, that's that person that drowns also known in Chasing Amy, you know? All right. The last second of this minute we're in, we're talking about this kid's mm-hmm. god-awful jacket that he's wearing. And if you need to know what kid we're talking about, you'll know him. He's the kid with the terrible jacket. Yeah. 
an equally terrible hat. <laughs> yeah, he's got a plaid hat yeah. on backwards. Now, I said that in my thing that that was my jacket in fifth grade. Part of me looking back at now thinks that wasn't my jacket in fifth grade. I might have been much older. Like I could have been like 11 or 12 and wearing this jacket, like maybe a little bit older than this kid was. Like a blue jean jacket so maybe not with quite the- nylon sleeves. And it, yeah, it was like the jacket with like the green sleeves. I know for a fact I had either this exact jacket or something unbelievably similar to this. <laughs> because when you're that age, you A, have no style and B, wear what your parents buy you. So that was that. This was the style. Oh my God. If I could find that picture, it would be up on our Jane Silent Bob Quicker stop in half a second, but I don't think I'll be able to. And then what about this girl that's next to him with the plaid bell-bottom overalls and a khaki jacket over it? <laughs> that's a good look. Yeah. Yeah, it, she looks like she bought her stuff out of, uh, or they gave her clothes from the Salvation Army that didn't fit. Yeah, it's like they, they accidentally shrunk down uh, the outfit from Annie Hall, and and she picked it up at the first <laughs> store. If you look behind him, though, like all the kids behind him look like they're dressed normally. Yeah, like The much. one girl's got like a denim jacket on and like a skirt with like, black shoes like the, the girl like two behind ethan Sipley is wearing something you would see today mm-hmm. everybody else has like regular kids clothes on there's a lot of denim but there's always a lot of denim in, at this time of the year at this time like the teacher has on something that like the kind of crap teachers always wear like a stupid vest like it's a very teacher outfit it's like they pick the kids with they pick the two most terrible outfits and be like hey you guys get on camera well, I was say like the costume designer probably like made those outfits you know or like put them together and then they're like all right well we don't have time to spend any more time with the kids so let's just take those two and put them in the front that's what everyone will see you know <laughs> everybody else is just wearing what they showed up in yeah, those are the money beats you got to put them right up front all right so you don't get to find out you, i'm sorry Nate. you're never gonna find out what's in that magic eye poster you're just gonna have to live your life without knowing oh man even though it, like i said earlier if you bring it up to people on the street if you talk about mall rats they might yell at you about what's in there yeah, yeah. um well did you ever hang out at the mall when you were younger? Um, I absolutely did not do that. <laughs> I don't know if it was because I was too cool or not cool enough. I did hang out in the mall at high school and uh, nothing wacky ever happened, but it was just like a place to be. Like there's like a certain it was kind of fun to go there with with friends and just be around the mall. <laughs> I don't know. Well, it's because you're in that weird spot in between, especially if you're say 13 14 15 somewhere in that thing like you, you might not be able nobody you might not have any friends that can drive yet or you have one friend that can drive but where is he going to drive everybody yeah <laughs> like where can you possibly go you can't drink you can't go anywhere because you're not 18 there's like there's a limited amount of options you can go to right and they don't like you doing it <laughs> you're like the worst customers ever these oh, these yeah. young kids and you're just hanging out sitting by the fountain and stuff i don't know <laughs> Hanging outside fashionable mail, making fun of Ben Affleck. Yeah. Checking out Spencer's gifts and giggling at the naughty parts. No, I, I guess I'll bring it up. It was in my notes. We we just blew past that when he says, uh, you talked about when they bang their head together and he says, we're going to bust this place up like it's a high school kegger. For whatever reason, that phrase made it into my, my lexicon and I will <laughs> use it occasionally. <laughs> I'm like, I'll say, we're going to bust this place up like a high school kegger. Um, Alex from uh, Star Wars Minute will talk about it, about using movie quotes that no one like it's a small movie quote that's it's only for you because there's no way anybody's gonna get it uh-huh. and like i'll say that and like internally i laugh like haha that's from mall rats i know no one's getting it even if you've seen mall rats you're not gonna get it because it's such a minor moment those is like one of those weird lines that stuck with me are there any other ones like that you have from from clerks or mall rats i i, I i'm sure i do it, it's but the problem is they're so ingrained in me mm-hmm. 
like I don't even recognize them until they show up and I'm like, oh my God, is this where I got this from? Yeah, yeah. And you're not sure if it's like a common way of saying that or it's just like you've made it a common way of saying that. Yeah, or it could be a it's a common phrase, but you say it like somebody does in the movie. You say like I mean there's only if somebody said it's gonna say something, say it's a trap. There's only one way to say it. <laughs> you have to be like, it's a trap. There's no other way <laughs> to say that phrase. <laughs> so when he says busting it up like a high school kegger, they mean like the cops are coming? Or like what are, what are, what else does busting I, up have to do with? I used to think with? that he meant like, hey, we're going to go and have a great time. But the way he's saying it is we're going to bust it up like a high school kegger. Like the high school kegger is the show. Yeah. And they're going to bust it up. Because like when you bust up a party, it means you make everyone leave, dis- disperse and, and end the party. Yeah. You don't walk in. You're like, I'm here to bust up this party. And people are like, you're not. Yeah. That, right. <laughs> Come on, guys. Let's bust it up. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like, OK, they're 21 <laughs> Jump Street. <laughs> going to bust up this party. All right, now that I've said 21 Jump Street, I have hit all my pop culture references. Uh, do you have anything I left for this minute? Oh, yeah. T.S.'s hair looks like JTT's. Another pop wow. culture reference? Was that, <laughs> is that what you want? Hey, a little going home improvement. He, listen, we're at peak 90s here. Home improvement is definitely welcome on this show. It's that hair, man, you know, like the the Johnny Tepp looking guy that's in that turns out to be, I don't know, he's like a prominent guy in Scream has kind of that same hair prominent it works really well in blonde but it, you can do it in brown too not so much black yeah it was the way that not not that it's it's a little long but like again i probably had a haircut similar to this it was just not the way he has it though he has it styled really weird yeah like i saw people wear it like that where it was usually it was longer and more disgusting looking some people would call it hockey right. hair where you would just comb it right down the middle like that to both sides sometimes you know they would you'd color it up too because then, then you were a real badass <laughs> Well, yeah, at least colored up. It this haircut as presented does not fly nowadays. But it also seems like at the time that would have been a haircut for more of a off the beaten path type person, where he seems like such a straight arrow. Like he should have his cut oh, yeah. should be ten years behind. Like he should have his and hair Ethan should be Hawk in. He should have short hair and parted to the side. Oh yeah, I don't know. They didn't just want something you can ignore. Yeah, I mean, it's but, I'm sure that's what not, it was. It was. We're like, refusing to ignore his haircut. Because this is probably a 1995 hairstyle, and they were like, just give him an average, you know, 22-year-old's 95 hairstyle. Yeah. You're like a 12-year-old kid coming in for some, some pizza bagels in this TV ad. That's the haircut you give him. Where Jason Lee was a skater, was a professional skateboarder. So, like, I'm sure that was probably what his hair was. <laughs> yeah. He's not a great actor, but he's just... It's just like the guys in Clerks. He's just got swagger, and he doesn't seem like he's trying to do another kind of acting. Therefore, it really works. He seems like a real person. Yeah, even in this, he's really good, but he he gets better. Like, cause I see him in other movies where like he's good, but he's good because I think he also knows where to stay in his lane. Right. Of like, yeah, this is where I need to be. Like, he can play other stuff. Everybody, I mean, he's a good enough actor where, like, he's in, um, oh God, what's that Tom Cruise movie? Uh where he almost dies. Magnolia? It's like a weird dream thing. I can't remember. He plays like a lawyer or a psychiatrist or something. And it's a very serious role. But it's five minutes. Like, but yeah, this is his fine. first movie. I don't mean in general he's a bad actor, but like this is his first movie, so he's kind of doing that like script delivery type thing. And I think that's also Kevin Smith. Is yeah, it's, it's also not it's Kevin Smith going, read my goddamn words exactly the way yeah. they are. <laughs> yeah, He was, up until Dogma, I think it was, he was definitely very – he was like Sorkin-esque of like, you will read the words that are on that paper. Because mm-hmm. he just mentioned it at the last Volgathon where when he was doing his lines in Chasing Amy, 
he didn't memorize his dialogue, so he was just ad-libbing whatever he wanted. This is Kevin doing it. And Ben Affleck's like, what the fuck? Like, you never let us ad-lib, and you're just saying whatever you want. He's like, I'm the writer, bitch. I can do whatever I want. <laughs> I'm writing new stuff as I talk. Yeah. He's like, when I'm doing it, it is script. But he said he eventually, <laughs> when he got to Dogma, and he's like, wait a minute. He's like, I'm working with Alan Rickman. Like, if Alan Rickman wants to say it a different way, he's going to say it a different way. He's like, and like when Chris Rock. Or Chris Rock. Chris yeah. Rock punches up one of my jokes. What am I going to tell Chris Rock? It's not funny. <laughs> yeah. Or when George Carlin tells me he wants to change something. Am I going to tell George Carlin? No, that's not the way we do it. <laughs> yeah, I think Chris Rock and George Carlin uh, have better track records, like at that point of being, yeah. <laughs> of making people laugh than. Uh, that's what he basically said. Like, been. oh, I, that's when he got to the understanding of like, oh, okay, that's part of the process is you hire very talented people, take their input. Well, and also Kevin Smith writes for like a 20 to at this time, you know, like a 20 or 30 something year old white male. I don't know if he's gonna be able to write the best dialogue for a, you know, for, for a black young guy or, or like an old curmudgeon, type, like George Carlin type, you know, he's, they, they could probably make his lines more natural for them to say. Yeah, it's like, okay. Or like uh, when he does Jay Song Pop Strike Back and has uh, like Carrie Fisher's in it. Like she was a professional mm-hmm. script doctor. Are you going to tell her? <laughs> listen, listen, Carrie Fisher, I realize you've literally written like 20 screenplays. Let me show you how things are done here. <laughs> oh, yeah. I just listened to her Wishful Drinking book. It was really good. Oh, it's funny yeah. you said that because I just, I just finished uh, Princess Diaries. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's such a awkward scene for her to be in the <laughs> Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Oh, yeah. I'm sure you'll get to it eventually. <laughs> no. We could pencil you in right now. I won't remember. You'll have to remind me, but... <laughs> okay. Definitely well, listen. It'll be about three years down the road. Um, you'll still speaking have a, of that... You'll still have another <laughs> 240 years of Calvin and Hobbes cast at that point. <laughs> oh, yeah. All of 239. No, I don't know. <laughs> but <laughs> the... Speaking of that, thanks for having me on these particular minutes. I really like these scenes. I got Jay and Bob and a little bit of Ethan. And uh, like I really like the Jedi mind tricks stuff. These three minutes are probably, if I was going to pick a set of scenes, these are like the ones that I remember most. Even though I remember iconic moments from the other ones, it's, they're not tied to a specific scene, but like the kittens and stuff. So I was really happy to come on here and talk about them. I'm glad. So, uh... Overall, you're uh, pretty high on Mallrats. Where does it fall in your overall pantheon and Kevin Smith in particular? For Mallrats? Um, I really liked this movie a lot when I was younger and when I first saw it. Now I would say it's probably lower than um, some of the other ones. Even I think I even would put it, I'd put it lower than Clerks. And I think my favorite ones are probably Dogma and Chasing Amy. Um yeah, I guess not too high, but I was actually really excited when I thought it sounded like they were going to do a sequel because I feel like this one actually could be improved with a modern sensibility and like a little bit higher joke per minute ratio. Um, you know, just like a little bit more of the modern comedic sensibility would actually work really well for a, a set piece in a mall like that. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess I guess it. Um, I, I still like it, but but it, it's uh, it's not too high up on uh, on well. his filmography i would say it's it's more of like an it's like a entry level kevin smith like if i was trying to introduce somebody to kevin smith and they were a little wary about it and they're like oh i don't know if i'm gonna like him i might show mall rats because it's not as it's not as heavy as chasing amy or even dogma and clerks can be a little rough for people Mm -hmm. because clerks gets a little nasty for some people they can't handle that so mall rats is more of a i mean it's 
it's more of a middle of the road. I mean, it's still pretty heavy on cursing and all that stuff, but it's more, more it's like a more mainstream movie. Where if like, hey, right. you like normal kind of comedies, you'll probably like this. If like yeah. you like this, I guess- yeah, I can probably take you to the next step on Kevin Smith. That's a good point. I think that was actually the first one that I probably liked a lot. Um, and Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back is a similar kind of vibe, except that that movie is to really appreciate that movie. You have to know the other movies already. Otherwise, you're missing out on two thirds of the jokes. So that one can't really be a good intro either. But I think, yeah, Mallrats is probably a good intro. But then once you've gotten into it, I feel like I like the more pure Kevin Smith stuff, less studio less um appealing to trends and stuff like that i like the the more pure vision of what he did so uh do you want to tell everybody out there where they can find you one last time yeah thank you um you can go on your podcast app the one you listen to podcasts on and search for one of these the a5 with a v instead of uh what is it a c you know the a5 with a v there or a goofy movie minute which is about a goofy movie and the Calvin and Hobbes cast. It's H O B B E S cast for Hobbes cast. Um, and just check out those podcasts. If you like them, then you'll know how they're spelled and you can find it on social media as well. And, and let me know and let me know if you liked my appearance on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and let me know if you liked my appearance on this podcast, <laughs> or if you're wondering why Chris isn't here, it's because I've killed him. Um, if you're looking for us, yeah, you can also check us out way back when, when we did The Burbs Minute, which was our first foray into this. If you like the movie The Burbs starring Tom Hanks and his cast of characters. Um, I also have been known to put out episodes of Slycast, the Sylvester Stallone podcast, where we're allegedly covering Stallone's movies one at a time. Um, let's just say that show's on hiatus, and that hiatus is caused by all of us having very busy lives and cannot get... We just cannot get the episode of The Specialist out. It is like... It is like a kidney stone. We can't pass. We've gotten up to the specialist and just cannot get past it. We've been stuck on it for like six months at least. We're going to get there though. All right. Don't forget to check out uh, moviesbyminutes.com where you can check out – I think there's a hundred of them on there now. One hundred movies by minutes. It is ridiculous. But always uh, give a special gleam in your eye to the, the OG, the original, the Star Wars Minute or as it's known around here, the Star Wars Minute. Star right. Wars Minute. Star Wars Minute. That's not, Star Wars that's not Minute. the show. You know what? We're in the show like that. Star Wars Minute. Minute. We did it. Yay. And now I get sued by Alex and Pete. <laughs> <laughs>